Welcome to Ah Crappa Hellboy Podcast, the show dedicated to the half demon hero, hosted by me, Mark David Christensen. And me, Kate Thompson. Yes! Yeah! We're back. <laughs> and it's on to BPRD. Woo! It's like been so long since we read Killing Ground. I had to go back and I was telling you, I had to like reread a little bit. That's smart like, of you. What's happening? <laughs> but now That's we're reading the warning. The warning. Uh, that is very smart of you, though, to return because I tend to not do that. I'm like, I'll go <laughs> back to it at a later time. And then in the middle of reading, I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this connection. Let me try to hurry and download, <laughs> upload the uh, the Hoopla version so I can reference it while we're recording. That's always a smart move. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, You're like, everybody yeah. just like paint a picture while we're reading real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Go get a drink. Um, yeah. And then uh, we'll, we'll be getting to the warning uh, briefly. But before we get to that. Um, we do have a little segment for you. It's oh, oh boy, boy email. email. <laughs> it's getting goofier. Perfect. And goofier. Perfect. Uh, I really this little short email we got is delightful. Uh, this comes from Grace Downing. Uh, thank you, Grace, for being a listener out there. Um, her email is titled "Another Movie Slash Show Pitch Idea." Okay, she says. I just finished the teaser and saw another person give their movie pitch, which I think every fan has, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all do. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're a fan of anything of like of a source material that potentially could be made into another medium, you're like, I have mine written in my head. Totally. <laughs> Um, she says, which reminded me, I always wished they would try and turn the series into a show instead. I think the comic would be amazingly paced for a show, especially BPRD. I think I 100% agree with her. Yeah. Uh, I think we, in the first readings of our BPRD, when we started this, I just the John Arcudi and Mignola's, like, even story, how the story flowed, I was like, this feels like television to me. Totally. So, spot on, Grace. Spot on. I agree. Um, and then she continues and says, I would love a mockumentary style show about the Bureau. And I think it would just be so good with talking heads from our favorite characters in each episode following, following then around the following them around the workplace and missions while also going along the main storyline. Like a mix between Parks and Rec and what we do in the shadows. Pretty good bitch. <laughs> Pretty good bitch. <laughs> That's like the funny one. And then the drama one is like. The Hellboy Bean story or something. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Have two different worlds. Yeah. Get hook people with the comedy one and sort then bring a, them in. A Buffy Angel situation. Oh, did Angel get real serious compared to Buffy? It, no, I mean, not really, no. I mean, <laughs> they both had serious moments, but like Angel literally has like a puppet episode and shit like that. Oh. Got into that era of time. Yeah, it got into it got real silly. It's good, though. It's good. Great. I love yeah. that. I mean, this sounds like a very fun pitch. Uh, you know, if Mignola ever decides to be in our presence, we'll, we'll, we'll be like, hey, this girl, Grace, she's got a great <laughs> idea for you. Uh, you should talk to her. <laughs> she should be a producer on your on the television show. Version. Yeah, it is a He's fun like, idea. He's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out of here. Jeez. Bye. I think this is a great idea. I Here's my only, my only, like, thing that makes me go is like, I think you could do a BPRD in this style 
in the like it's a lot of the side characters are in it. I I think I'm not saying I'm not I don't want to disparage this idea. I just think because Abe and a lot of our lead characters have such darker origins and things they're working through, the mockumentary might not match them, but I would love to see like a like a lower decks kind of situation like yes of BPRD a, exactly yeah. I I think that would be I think that the lead of that would be Devin like who occasionally shows up who will actually show up in the in the storyline we're reading today yeah I think Devin would be a great lead for that to be like the lower that decks would be cool BPRD guys yeah <laughs> and then let the heavier storylines as you said be like Hellboy Abe Liz. Daimyo and all of them and cool. and Krauss. Yeah, that's that's my only a whole only thought. Star Trek universe kind of situation where you get to have every single kind of show. Yeah. Every version go. of show, you're like, yeah, let's just make that. <laughs> that sounds like a great plan. Um, and then she finished off her email and said, PS, love the show and keep it up, crappers. I'm Aww. so excited for this next season. Yay. Oh, yeah. thank you so much for emailing Grace. That's so nice. That is very nice. We really appreciate that email, Grace. Um, and thank you for just you know taking the initiative to pitch your your idea to us. Hell I yeah. love hearing that stuff because um, a lot of you guys have better ideas than the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> if um, I have an idea, I mean, I'll I'll let you know. Let you, there you go. <laughs> uh, I have too many ideas. What do I do with them? <laughs> But that is great. Thank you again, Grace, and everybody out there. If you want to send in your emails or your thoughts about any of the episodes or anything we discussed, as well as please be like Grace and send us your um, your movie slash show pitches for Hellboy, the BPRD, anything that you that um, takes place in this a larger Hellboy universe. Yeah, love um, to hear it. We'd love to hear it, and you can send that at ah crap a Hellboy podcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. Cool. Well, now let's get to the warning. Um, Hell just, yeah. Uh, just to preface real quick uh, before I let you take over, Kate, because um, you're the you're the story queen. I'm, I'm officially <laughs> that's what it says on my queen, business card. Yeah, story queen. Uh, you you guide us through the stories. Um, <laughs> uh, we're not covering again. We already covered this last season, which was the prologue. Yeah. Um, which was originally uh, I'm forgetting what it originally was titled, but then it was tacked on. The prologue for the warning was a, a one shot release. That teased this, and then now we're going forward. But we'll we'll briefly talk about the moment, the prologue moments before we get into the first two issues of the warning. But that, that being said, sense. let's hand it over to you, Kate. Oh yeah, yeah. The warning, um, written by Mignola and John Arcudi, illustrated by Guy Davis, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by Clem Robbins, edited by Scott Alley. Uh, and originally published uh, BPRD The Warning 1 through 5 uh, between July and November of 2008. Yeah, it's pretty much like immediately, like maybe like a week or something, like a week or two weeks after the events of Killing Ground. Yeah. And then we, we talked about the prologue, like Dave said, in another episode. But, you know, like basically it's like Abe and his team of BPRD agents go out to look for Daimyo. And Abe, like, explicitly kind of, like, excludes Johan from searching for Daimyo. He's mm -hmm. like, you you stay here. You got shit to figure out here. And Johan still is, like, mourning his body, being gone. And he 
secretly keeps the knife that was used by um, Chavez, I think is the name yeah. of the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was used by Chavez to try to kill Daimyo, the the knife that can kill demons. Yeah. And just yeah. to to add, um, it, the the story that was is the prologue again is called Out of Out of Reach. Out of, out of reach. reach. Okay. Yeah. Cool little title. People are like, you're out of reach of Daimyo. Kraus is out of reach of his body. body. (laughs) They still have another like incubating body um, from those assholes, those robots that were like, um, yeah. Yeah. So they have one, but the BPRD can't like, they can't like recreate the things that were happening in the lab. They they basically are like, we are not going to, this thing will not survive. Like we can't cook this guy all the way. He is. He's not going to, it's not going to happen. So Krauss is sort of like left staring at that sort of like fetus, basically like this grown fetus, like that's not going to be able to mature any further, but he's holding this like demon knife. So you're not really sure what he's up to yet. (laughs) It doesn't seem good. Yeah. He's keeping a lot of secrets. And it's interesting that for somebody that doesn't show facial expressions, that Abe can sort of, Abe and his other like cohorts can sort of pick up on, at least Abe can pick up on like, "Mm, you're you're angry. You're dealing with some stuff that we're going to keep you here because I don't know what you're going to, how you're going to grieve this body. Yeah. (laughs) I almost like that. I mean, and I think that um, I think that Guy Davis does a really good job with this, like using the rubberiness of Johan's suit to give him a lot of expression. Like he uses his hand gestures and stuff really well. Mm-hmm. And his yeah, just like his body gestures too to kind of illustrate Johan's feelings and wants and stuff. Like I think he is able to take a character who is who. Yeah, like you said, you can't see any of his facial expressions, but he still has a lot of expressiveness through his body. It's really cool. I agree. Uh, I've always, I think that's one of the guy Davis's things is every character does have such facial or body. Like the way they hold themselves is very clear. Yeah. Which has been sort of consistent with almost every artist in the Hellboy universe. Like everybody hired tends to do that stuff very well. Yeah. I mean, it's like the book, it seems like the book just, does so well and makes so much money for for them for the publisher. So it's like Mignola gets to kind of pick whoever he wants. Yeah. By the sounds of it, or like every time you read like a prologue or an epilogue, that's like, oh, I just wanted to work with this artist. It's like, oh, okay, you get <laughs> you pretty much get like free reign. It seems like to to pick whoever you want to continue your story, which is awesome. Yeah, totally. And speaking of covers, let's check out this. Um, yeah. This first cover. By Nolan? Kevin Nolan? Kevin Nolan. He's a cartoonist, penciler, inker, colorist. I see inkwellawards.com has like a feature about him and it just talks about how he is like an inker for comics legends like Bernie Wrightson and Mike Mignola. So I guess maybe he just inked these covers. Cool. Which is interesting. Maybe I guess like because they do look a little different from just a straight up Mignola. Yes. Especially like Liz here looks like very different. Lobster Johnson has a pretty signature Mignola style, I think. Yes, and even 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 Panya looks like very Mignola. But like Liz and Johan here, they look like they're in a different style to me. They look like they're in Kevin Nolan style more. Yeah, 
I think you're well. You're right because I just confirmed it. it. Like he is the inker on these four covers or these five colors covers. Excuse me, full on inker. But that is definitely a good eye to cat. You have a great eye for that, Kate. Of like, because definitely it's like yeah. And again, I uh, we've talked about this before. It's a little bit of like common knowledge, but it's like so interesting how much the inkers like their choices change something. Yeah. Like. I, again, we constantly are like, we constantly think of just the main artists. They get the glory along with the, like the main writer, but it's like these inkers, like this is just a great example of like, yeah, Mignola did the pencils on this, but the inking changes it drastically. It so looks much. great, but it's. Yeah. You can definitely see where it's, where his style and influence comes in on this for sure. And like the cross hatching and shit too. Like there's a lot of. Stuff that like if it's if this was just like a straight up Mignola cover, this like hatching wouldn't be happening. I like to this degree, or mm. at all. Yeah. yeah, but again, like format wise and layout is very Mignola. I mean, with starting oh, totally. with like, this totally. skeleton esque lobster Johnson at the top of this pyramid, going going down with Johan in the center, and then Liz behind it, and Panya, and then I loved all the the lobster cards. Just yeah. Falling, <laughs> yeah, which is a cool like for a first cover, a little teaser for a, a a moment that we get to experience, which is cool. Totally. But that's that's a it's I think it's a solid, like good, exciting, simple, classic um, BPRD um, cover chapter one. Yeah, it, yeah, pro it like teases like just enough and has enough weird new shit that makes you like have have like a bunch of questions about. What's in this issue? I gotta read it. Gotta buy it. Yeah, I mean, just the presence of Panya on a cover, like right. being with that much life in her is like interesting. Like, wait, where are we yeah. going with her? Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Totally. Yeah. And then inside, it starts off with Abe leading one of these uh, like BPRD teams. And the team, like while Abe is like off to the side, kind of like smoking a cigar, <laughs> uh, one of the team members is like, Hey, are we like hunting a demon or are we trying to find our team member Daimyo? And that's basically the question is like, what are we doing out here? It's freezing cold. It's been like a week or uh, however long. You know, if, if this was a human, he'd be dead. So are we out here about to get killed? <laughs> kind yeah. of. And Abe like comes over while they're still talking. I think we'll have a much better idea of what we're looking for once we find it. So. Abe doesn't totally know himself and that's pretty ominous. You know, he's even like lit from below by the firelight, like the campfire and stuff like that. Um, so it's a pretty dramatic moment. Mm -hmm. I think Abe probably anticipates maybe having to kill Daimyo, which sucks. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of just me reading into it a little bit more. Then it cuts to back at the BPRD headquarters. Um, Liz is just beating the shit out of a heavy bag. <laughs> and um, Kate Corrigan makes a couple of references this issue that made me laugh a little bit because it was like, this is the first one where it's like, what are you doing? Uh, or what are you trying to do, Liz? Turn yourself into Randy Couture for, uh, in one week? And I was like, <laughs> I mean, from context clues, I assume you're a fighter. I had to Google him. He's like, a, he's like an MMA fighter. Uh are you familiar with that guy? I'm not at all. I just, okay. I, 
honestly was like, I don't know. I don't get the reference. And I just moved on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just assumed it was a fighter, but I did Google it just to be like 100 percent sure. Uh, and then it, it was just making me laugh because I was like, that is such a like, I'm sure this is like John R. Cutie just likes MMA or something. Or like yeah. maybe he's I don't know if he's a famous MMA fighter. I don't fucking know him. Like, I know like one MMA fighter. I don't follow it. <laughs> Not that it's like dumb or bad or anything. It's just like it for me. It was funny to read as one of Kate Corrigan's references. Yes, and the other reference that she makes in a little bit, I'll also point out because it it struck me as a very like forty year old man reference as opposed to like yeah a Kate reference. But it it it's, it, it like didn't totally take me out of it, but it did like I it's get just it. funny. I get it's just it. Funny. Especially for for somebody that like has their that we've known to have their nose in a book, right? For such a long time until they got like became a field agent, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, Liz even calls it out in the next panel where she's like, "Randy who?" But then yeah. Kate's like, "Oh, it doesn't matter." And they kind of just basically have a discussion where it's like, "Hey, I know this guy is has been creeping you out for like months and months, but he might have a lot of answers that." the BPRD could find useful. And Liz is like, yeah, I'll get some answers and then I'll kick his ass. Like, uh, so her, her facial expression when she says kick your ass is so like Popeye at the end of that page. Yeah. I just got like the sideways <laughs> smile and shit, like a wry sort of a <laughs> look. Um, and Kate looks like a little concerned about that, but it's like, you know, what's she going to do? Like, I don't know. Liz is very strong willed and kind of will do what she wants really at the end right. of the day. Yeah. And then we see Devin and we see him um, like scanning all of these old documents for Johan to look at that. He's like trying to get information about something. We're not like totally sure what, but we see like all of these like relatives of Daimyo compiled in like a BPRD sort of document. I guess just like every relative that Captain Daimyo has. Yeah. All around the the states. And yeah, d like Johan's not super revealing like what he's looking for, but he's got a séance this afternoon, so he's got he's a little busy. I like um, that he's sitting in his old body's like his old bed where his body where we yeah, saw he's him got all the like masturbating, still has all the <laughs> right. around. Still littered with porn, like booby <laughs> pictures, like taped up like all diagonally, like it's a, like a kid's locker or something like that. Yeah. It's very funny. But then he also has this like piece of fine art. I feel like we looked at this art in a previous episode. Yeah, that I we can't did. remember. We never we asked the listeners what it was because neither of us did the research. <laughs> and be, I, 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 you know, I obviously like they, they don't really focus on it in this one. But yeah. Um, yeah, I can't really like tell exactly what it is, but I'm but sure it that it has some cool significance. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny contrast too that like he has this fine art as like his his ethereal form and like yeah. his like grieving self. But then when he was, but then he has remnants now of this, this new body, youthful body. Right. And when his, he was like, of the flesh. Yeah. Of the flesh and indulgence. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And then Liz and uh, Kate, they knock very politely. Yeah. And they're like, Hey, we're supposed to, you know, start this shit half hour ago. Jan's like, yeah, well you could, you know, the phone works both ways and like slams his computer <laughs> shut. And, uh, walks out to join them. They start to head towards the infirmary, and Johan's like, "Well, where are we going? Like, I thought we were gonna, you know, I thought we were gonna do the séance with like Abe or something." They're like, "No, no, no, Abe is still out." 
and his fucking phone is off and he doesn't answer the phone either. I can't get any of you motherfuckers on the phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, so they're going to they're going to instead use Panya as the other as the fourth person for the seance that they're going to conduct. Panya's like, do you object Herr Kraus? Um, and he's like, no, 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 I'm just, you know, just surprised. It threw me off a little bit. So that's a little weird because you're like, well, why is um, Johan so antsy to kind of like have Abe in this circle? Like, is there something that he wanted to like learn from Abe or something like you like mm-hmm. Johan's motivations in this are still really like shrouded from us as the reader and, and from yeah. every other character. So we don't really know what's going on. Or is he trying to hide something and is afraid Panya will see it or, you know, be able to like, you know, fucking brain scan him and like see what's going on in his head or something. Right. So for whatever reason, he has these like reservations, but he quickly kind of brushes them off and is like, no, I don't. And yeah, so they're like, yeah, um, we're going to try to find this lobster Johnson fellow and it's better to do it in a seance rather than like Johan searching with his like ethereal self so that. Lobster Johnson can't possess him as he like sort of he like was inhabiting the body that Johan had back in the end of Killing Ground. If you remember that, like when Johan's body had his jaw ripped off, Lobster Johnson like came out spiritually and then ran over to the infirmary and shot a ghost gun at Kate or at Liz, I mean, and then that like ghost bullet like sort of hit the guy that's been you know, the guy that's been like following the Fu Manchu guy that as they call him in this yeah. issue. So a lot of weird shit happened at the end of Killing Ground that we still don't have any answers for. Yeah, and it made that very clear like what it was. It wasn't just him like popping in a nowhere. It was like Lobster Johnson having a way back to use Johan's ethereal form. Yeah. Which I didn't really put together just reading the Killing Ground. So. No, no. I was like, I don't know what the fuck's happening. So so they're kind of talking about that where it's like his like his there are four of them together have like a combined will that's stronger and can resist Lobster Johnson's ghost a little bit better. And Johan says, and none of my ectoplasm to manipulate. So I guess he wouldn't be Lobster Johnson, like wouldn't be as powerful and couldn't like come in shooting or whatever. <laughs> and yeah. So Panya's like, yeah, I see. And given that his ghost rushed in here and rid you of that nightmarish visitor, Liz says, right. We think he can tell us more about that guy and maybe how to find him. So. That's what's going down with this uh, seance here. <laughs> and they get started. They turn the lights down. and then I really I- like this joke at the end of Panya. Yeah. Uh, shouldn't somebody dim the lights? Or isn't that how it's done anymore? <laughs> yeah. Panya's like old hat at this kind of shit. She's like done her a seance or two in her time. <laughs> She's like, are we going to dim these lights or what? <laughs> Which is fun. Like they, they have like a very spooky setting here now. Like very cool. Um colors and everything like that and johan sort of like reaches out and asks lobster johnson like uh, hey or basically it's like we we need to speak to you and at first they don't hear anything and then suddenly all of these lobster johnson calling cards come raining down from the ceiling and they go they try to they turn on the lights really quickly and then they see that all of the calling cards have like smacked against the wall and mm-hmm. collected into these letters that read Gilfred and they read that and they're a little perplexed, but Panya knows exactly. She's like Martin Gilfred, that idiot. (laughs) 
So it's somebody that Panya obviously is like very familiar with. And so it's like it's a good thing that they did the seance with Panya because she can tell them presumably more about that. Yeah. But first we cut over to Germany. We have this scene of like a suburban neighborhood in Germany where an older woman is loading a double barrel shotgun and is like, uh, come little ones, come along. And her house <laughs> is kind of like littered with like a lot of different papers and stuff like that. She opens the door, it's pouring rain. And two figures in like yellow raincoats are approaching her step. She says, yes, that's right. I've been waiting for you. And then we see like even more figures coming, but she's like cocking the gun as they're approaching. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah. It's something I really like. And I think we've seen it before and BPRD. And I think they do this really well is that they give you enough to intrigue you by just in two pages. But it was like, we know, like we have confidence that it will unfold later, but I love they just give it to us quickly. It doesn't, it, it, by giving it in two pages too, it doesn't slow down the pace of the story. Yeah, it's still the really quick. Story. Yeah, it feels like a quick little cutaway. It's literally like, yeah, yeah, just the two pages. And it, it's in Germany, so I'm like, is this like somehow related to Johan or right. like, I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I like that. Also, I love that like in the one panel in the first two, they're like, along with her paper strewn about, they're like little draw. they look like drawings. yeah. There's even a whole painting with like what looks like people in flames. I'm not sure, but yeah. that's really mysterious. On top of these weird, what what's the little girl um, that the little like schoolgirl with the nun <laughs> that it's in a yellow. Oh, Mad- Madeline. Yeah, or there's just a bunch of Madelines. Yeah, <laughs> walking up. That's funny. It's like yeah, <laughs> you can't tell, and you can't like tell quite like how tall they are. One of them's carrying a little briefcase, so there's just a lot of questions. Like, what yeah. the fuck is going on in this cutaway? I love the rain. I love how simplistic Guy Davis creates this rain, but it just makes it very clear there's a it's a major downpour. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's it looks great. This like yeah, these kind of like smacks of the rain like bouncing off of the ground and the like kind of like uh the way that the puddles sort of like dissipate like it's really cool yeah yeah so that happened in germany and then we cut back to the bprd headquarters (laughs) um right back to this like seance scene basically like uh johan's like you know that person she's like yeah he's this dickhead who used to work for the (laughs) um the, he was the curator of Egyptology at the department uh, the, of the Egyptology department at the British Historical Society. And basically, like he was considered kind of a kook. But people in like in, in England, like when she was like when she was v- revealed again or whatever, like unwrapped, basically. Yeah. her um, Weird resurrection, a mummy resurrection. Yeah. <laughs> I love so, real quick. I love. Yeah. He, she says. He was not an imposing character. Not to me. Oh, troublesome, but on a small scale. I just love yeah. the language is just talking down on him. Yeah, she calls him um, a species of meddlesome vermin. <laughs> so just you get the sense that he's like, you know, he's kind of this like weaselly, creepy guy. And he has, um, you know, he has like, he dresses in this way that has like, like sort of like vague oriental you know i'm using that in like quotes yeah kind of like dress and yeah he's appropriating um, right 
Big time. He's trying to, I, you get the sense that he's trying to make himself look more mysterious than he is or like mm-hmm. look like he has some kind of like power that maybe he doesn't. But yeah, she's like, yeah, yeah, I know that guy. He's uh, Martin Guilford, the the dork who used to hang out <laughs> at the Egyptology department. And she's like talking about how he he became like very interested in her, was trying to like chat her up basically. And she's saying, like, it was obvious to me that Guilford was only after what he thought was of as the secret of my resurrection. So he was trying to find out about, like, pretty much like eternal life. Yeah. And the guys at the uh, Heliopic Brotherhood. Which were the people that became little robots. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, like, these guys are very possessive of her and they basically, like, lock her up in the house and, like, Refused to let her talk to Gilfred anymore or anyone, basically. So she kind of doesn't really hear about him anymore. Like, the only thing I heard about him after that is, like, he fell on hard times and he took up with a vile occultist. But we don't see the, like, we don't see his face or anything or hear the occultist's name at this point. Finally, the Brotherhood told me that he had gone completely mad and was committed at Bedlam. So he gets locked up. He's like in a straight jacket <laughs> and that's he's toast. So yeah, that's kind of like she was like, yeah, that's where like I left off with him, really. And Liz is like, well, he's not insane anymore or not locked up anyway. So they they uh, and and Panya is basically like it would seem he found his key to long life. That is, if this is the same man, Johan is thinking like, can you reach out with your mind that way that you did in Indonesia She's like, I don't know about that because, like, he's, like, powerful and has guards up and stuff. And Johan's like, well, maybe I could reach out in some way. Panya's like, Johan, don't be a foolish. Like, you're going to get bombarded with Lobster Johnson's calling cards again. Like, you're going to just wake this guy up and cause more trouble. So I'm going to go into Liz's mind because, you know, like, um, Martin got into her mind. So he left, like, a path, basically. Mm-hmm. So I'll follow that path and try to find him through that, which is exactly what she does. She like holds Liz's hand and enters her mind, follows the path to find him and comes out in like this ornately decorated plush room with like weirdly floating fabric and stuff and like all of these crazy carvings and urns and stuff like that. Just all this like cool, but like kind of ominous shit all this crazy like fabric floating around you get the feeling that it's very like spiritually charged energy kind of a room a lot of cloth it's almost like the a lot of cloth yeah a lot of cloth like very everything even the ceiling is like looks as if it's made full of cloth yeah you get this feeling that it's like shrouded in mystery like literally and she's sort of Pani's kind of talking to Liz basically like saying what she's doing like I'm cloaking myself so that he remains unaware that I'm here and I'll try to find some useful information oh book it's written in a coded language I'll just like very carefully interpret this so that he doesn't figure out that I am reaching into his mind but then she sees the words change on the on the page to yes, Panya, you must be so very careful. And then he fucking appears right behind her. <laughs> he looks much more imposing than he did in her memory. Yeah. Like he's got his usual sort of like claws and his snakes, but the snakes are like really just fully like wrapped around him. And he swats at 
Panya's like form, her like ethereal form that looks like basically like a younger version of herself. He like smacks her and then she kind of comes to in her hospital bed at the BPRD headquarters. And she's like, yeah, he he's not the weakling he once was, but still recognizable as vermin. And best of all, I know where he's hiding. So she that's the end of chapter one. With her little smile. Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, I guess he like he's you know, he's he's not the same like little weasel, but. I found out where he is, so that's good. <laughs> so we're getting somewhere. Yeah, it's a fun little, like, it's a, cl- a good cliffhanger, too. Of like Totally. A lot of cool stuff leading up to that little fun moment. Oh, yeah. Before we move on to chapter two, I wanted to point out something I like, and if there's anything you want to point out, something you like. What I really like at the top of this, especially for a first issue, reintroducing us to dropping us back in, not even reintroducing is the wrong word, but, like, getting us reacquainted with where our characters are. Yeah. I really like how the th- the three beats of like Abe, Liz, and uh, Johan, they don't use sound effects, but I feel like they use visuals that make us immediately think of sound effects. That if I was mm-hmm. like cinematically or audio like writing this, I would put these in as like the transition sounds. And I love it because like essentially you're probably going from a black page, right? Reading into right. the first page. I love that the first image is is uh, Abe lighting his cigar. So it's like yeah. there's the first sound of just that you can match. hear the You can hear the, yeah, for sure. And then I love the transition out of that until once we find it, you can transition to the sound effect of the punches, yeah. right? Like there's a build, there's a, a build into that. We get an actual sound effect on hers, but that could, you could, you could, you could actually have that bleeding in prior to her like thump. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and yeah. I love that. Or even that sound effect just to transition. And then I love, I think the other one is off of that like sound of like, and then I'll kick his ass like the want one, like fuck Liz. You could go off of the sound effect of the copier. Yeah. That that um Devin's dealing with. It would just be like, you know, monotonous. Yeah. And then it's just like these cool little, these sound effects that are leading visual things are all with like, Movement. They all have like little amounts of movement moving us forward just to the beginning. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that's such a great observation, Dave. That's like, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, they are just such good storytellers. Like Arcudi and Davis, like I wonder how specific Arcudi is or like how much is Guy Davis doing his thing of like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you know, it could just be like equal parts. They're working together to like consciously achieve that kind of a transition, like you're saying. But either way, it's like super cinematic and effective, and works great. Yeah, I agree. It's so cool. Yeah, it's. It, I think this is. It's just returning to what I love. I've loved so far in BPRD is like they have their Guy Davis's art. I I, I remember reading. I think during hiatus, somebody had created like a, a graph that put the different artists in the Hellboy world into different like categories of cartoony, realistic. They tended to put Guy Davis in cartoony and then um, another artist that I'm now forgetting his name, more cartoony. And I weirdly disagree. Like Guy Davis is cartoony, but he's more grounded to me, even though yeah. he's like he's not creating realism with it. But there's a for me, there's a groundedness to Guy Davis that tends yeah. to weirdly for me feel c- cinematic or as we've already mentioned a smaller screen like the television it feels yeah, very yeah. cinematic in that sense of television 
Like his compositions and the flow of his comic are really sophisticated. I think it's really oversimplifying to say, oh, this this artist is cartoony and that's their style. I think that that is so missing the mark of like every other like besides like just how they whatever their character designs are, you know, this artist is still like doing the whole fucking layout, doing a lot of like. A lot of thinking goes into this page beyond just like, how do you draw an eye and how real, like, quote, realistic is that? I think is like, it kind of diminishes how good I think Davis' work really is. I'm with you. Yeah. I think it's, I, I, I yeah, because these, these issues are fucking awesome. They flow so fast and feel really fun. Yeah. I, I They just have such a, they have such a pace that's, has energy for everything, but it's not like forced. It doesn't feel like we're like, it, you never get that feeling that they're cramming in something that, you know, they didn't have time right. for. They're just, but it's still like dense. Like there's still a lot yeah. going on, but they're able to tell that in a way that's not confusing, which sounds fucking easier than it is. It's, it's super fucking hard to do, you know? And then, and then Dave Stewart comes in and like helps clarify everything. Like, like this stuff with like the flashbacks, to make it look like it's in this like sepia tone, like old, either like film or like print style kind of coloration to everything just helps us be like, that's a flashback. And then we're right back to this like modern bright lighting in the hospital, all that stuff. Like the, the this this team of people works together really, really well to, yeah. to tell these stories so, so well. Speaking of Dave Stewart's like coloring, when Panya is her young self inside that, ethereal or ethereal world that uh Gilfrey is in i find it interesting that her, and this might be me just adding more than there is there to say but i think it's interesting that her like i think a normal colorist would just be like yeah the place is red her like her uh her garb over her head her shawl is yeah. white is white there we go leave it at that but there's a he uses like a slight tint to the the to her shawl that almost to me when you look at take a closer look at it it looks like it's been it's light wise it's being influenced by all the red around it right 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 and i just think that's again that's why i think dave stewart is the time he takes to make that choice <laughs> because physically that would happen if you wore a white garment in a room that is completely covered in red you there would be reflections from that yeah. light um that would tint it a little red and it also is like the character is influencing her. Like Martin mm -hmm. is influencing her too. He's like literally getting in her head. It's interesting too to have these like very green eyes. It reminds me of that woman on National Geographic. Like that cover. It's like a famous cover of like <laughs> a woman with like a shawl on um on a cover of National Geographic who has, like, these striking green eyes. Like, if you Google, like, National Geographic woman, she'll come up for sure. That's what it, that's just what this, like, depiction of her as a younger woman makes me think of. It I, I did Google National Geographic woman, and that's the first thing that came up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, just a super famous image, so that's yeah. what makes me think, like, maybe they're intentionally calling to that in a, in a little bit of a way, but... I don't know. Maybe not. Still a good reference point, even if they like looked at the coloring of that. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, this, this issue is so cool. It's just a great way to come back in 
you get a lot of info in a way that doesn't feel like you're just like reading a textbook or something like that. It's still like entertaining. Yeah, I agree. I mean, catching us up so quickly without feeling ex- heavy with exposition. For sure. But let's move on to chapter two with this yeah. really cool um, color by Mignola and Nolan. Yeah, um, yeah. Another inked by Kevin Nolan situation. You totally, like, you you can just see them, their styles merging. It's it's like a little jarring because you just are so familiar with Mignola inking his own stuff, I guess. Yeah. Not in a bad way, but it's just like, you can definitely see both artists' hands on this cover. For sure, especially on the detail of like where the inking has made the 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 way the face pops for me center wise. Yeah, any kind of like fine line hatching immediately, I'm like somebody else touched this other than Mignola because he's (laughs) going for like, and you still have his like big chunks of dark lines like in most of like the snakes, they're sort of shaded with these like thick thick lines of black. Except for like maybe the very bottom, you mm-hmm. can see like Nolan coming in there with some hatching and stuff like that. And like the cards, the way that the cards are is so Mignola. But um, yeah, just the way and even like the finer lines on like um, the nose and stuff like that feel mm-hmm. like more Nolan. But the like little chunks of like wrinkles on the forehead and stuff like that feel mignola like. It's so funny to see both of them in here. Yeah. And then I, I agree with like the, the hatching, I believe, is like where the shadow t- like comes out from the side of his face into the center of the forehead. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. those the cross lines. Yeah. Like that is like, you never see that on a Mignola. No, never, <laughs> never. Like maybe he'll do like hatching just like want maybe like a couple lines going in the same direction but never like the cross hatching where they're like i i I don't know if i've ever seen it like i'm sure there are some examples of him doing that but it's not common yeah and certainly not his like signature look for sure (laughs) so you know awesome cover yeah super strong like vertical composition with the snakes coming like breaking the wall of like breaking the top of the page and the bottom of the page so that they're like seemingly like slithering from that area or to that area yeah. um and then a strong central image obviously with this face and the cards falling down break also breaking that bottom wall uh really cool yeah great cover great great cover super good <laughs> and then the opening of this is crazy you have abe looking at the like decimated body of something the like ribs and gore and viscera of something and at first you're like who's that (laughs) but then kate comes down and she's like come on abe we gotta go you're kind of like chasing nobody out here at this point you haven't found anything but we have like a real person of interest that um in this war on frogs so let's let's fucking move it and it kind of um pans out to see this like caribou or something that has his guts ripped out and you're like, okay, so the Wendigo's out here or, or Daimyo's out here or both. Yeah. Feasting and, on the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> they're like hanging out, biting, you know, eating this thing, but somebody's out here eating. So yeah, but Abe Stolson found him and they got, they Abe's needed. So he has to go. And then it cuts back to, 
Panya and Johan talking to each other, and you get this weird sense that like Johan's trying to be like smooth, but he kind of sucks at it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's been one of Johan Krauss's funniest traits is that he's right. sort of for a character that has no mass he stumbles through stuff <laughs> and for like somebody who's like a communicator you know he like communicates with the dead but like Panya ha- is I guess her like with all of her age is like great wisdom and she there's no fooling her really and Johan's basically like oh you can like find people right like you can reach out and she's like yeah that's not exactly what I do like I've kind of been telling you that like, I only was able to find this guy, Martin, through Liz's psyche and all this shit. But, yeah, who are you trying to find? Like, obviously, you're trying to find somebody because you're bringing it up, like, so weirdly. You know, can I make a guess? Perhaps he has a very large scar on the side of his face. <laughs> and Johan's like, fuck you. Like, well, he doesn't say that, but we just, it cuts to him, like, storming down the hallway. Yeah. And Devin's like, hey, I have all that stuff you asked me to scan. And Yon's like, whatever, not now. And like walks away. And Devin's just like, I'll just hold on to them for a while then. <laughs> Which is such a thing of like, if you've ever had a, been an assistant for a boss, like this is a very, this uh, little page will get you, I think. <laughs> Where it's like a boss is like, do this big, hard task, okay? It involves a lot of stuff. It's very, very important. And then you're like, hey, I finished that task that you asked me to. I, I know it was like a time crunch. Here you go. I've been working nonstop. And they're like, I don't have time for that right now. I'm doing this other thing. And you're just like sitting there like a fucking idiot. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that hit me pretty hard. I was like, you know, I think that would be good for the show that <laughs> we were, they were talking about on the email. Yeah, exactly. It's like Grace, uh, there, there's some to, material for you. Grace. Yeah. Cut to his talking head of like, well, fuck me, I guess, or whatever, you know, something yeah, more um, PG he's, than that. Um, yeah, he shows for someone who's just a vapor, they 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 show a lot of anger. <laughs> yeah, he's more he's steaming. <laughs> and then it cuts to them on the like on these big crazy military choppers with like four uh fucking what do you call them? What do you call them? Propellers? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like a very, they're like sophisticated military choppers that hold like a ton of people. And yeah, BRD got like, when they make they a call around, they got a huge budget. <laughs> yeah, for real. And you see Abe looking out the window. He's fucking morose. Um, <laughs> Johan sitting down in one of the seats on the chopper. He's like, oh, did you find anything? Abe's like, yep. And then that's kind of where the conversation ends. I you love know. this back and forth. Very it, awkward. It calls back like what Abe can like already sort of like pick up off of from the prologue. Like, yeah. And again, like you just pointed out, like Johan, for a guy that has no expression, his motives seem to be on his on. Uh, he doesn't, you know, like he's wearing them on his rubber sleeve <laughs> um, yeah. because he just is like, yep, a few things. That's all I'm going to give you, Johan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't need to know all this information right now, you know? He's, like, kind of kind of like drawing this line of, like, we're colleagues and stuff, but I am in a superior position to you. I don't need to tell you all this information, you know? And because clearly you're, like, meddling around and doing something. Like, Abe's wise to him, but yeah. he doesn't quite know, like, Everything that he's doing, but he, you know, he's trusting his like gut, I think, at this point and being like, I'm going to play these cards a little bit closer 
So Johan can't fuck around. For sure. And then it, we see over on, you know, just another area of, a, or maybe like a different chopper or something like that. Listen, Kate are having a conversation where Kate's like, yeah, we're going to land and try to fucking surround this guy and find him. <laughs> um, and she's like, oh, hey, I thought you quit smoking cigarettes. Liz is like, I did. I'm sure I will again. But she says it with like kind of a smile on her face. She seems to kind of be, she's kind of like coming back to herself a little bit. She's yeah. like, we're on this guy's trail. This guy's been bothering me for months. You know, and finally the BPRD is doing something about it. Everybody's acknowledging that I've had this problem now. So she she probably feels a little bit vindicated and a little excited to be like, we're finally going to catch this guy and see. I'm going to get some fucking answers because it's been like she's been living this like haunted life for a year. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, It's nice to see her have a little bit of like lightness or levity in. Yeah. Since we've seen her in such a zombie state up until Killing Ground. Right. Yeah, so she's sort of back to herself a little bit. They land in the jungle. They see these ruins. And Kate's like, Liz, is this it? Liz. And then Liz has this intense look on her face. And she can see, you know, in her mind, she has this flashback, this vision of, like, she's been there before. She knows that this is where he lives. I I, I would argue that it's not a flashback. That's her... Like oh, what gonna, she sees right yeah, now? Yeah, I think that yeah. he is, Guilford is, like, letting her see, like, that, like, other realm. You know what I mean? For, like, or, a moment? Like yeah, a because like, it happens sh- just a couple pages later. That's what I think. Because yeah. her intensity is just so different than everybody else's. Like, she's, like, sees it, and then she's, like, yeah, that's it. And she, like, trudges forward. Like, she's just off to the races, and everybody's, like, wait, hold on. They're, right. like, confused. Like, we don't know. Her what- intensity is, like, off the charts, and they're, like, wait, this is just looks like a ruin to me. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so she she busts right in there, and the teams, like, kind of follow her. Once they're in there, it looks very dilapidated, and you can kind of see, like, some remnants of these um, crazy, like, ornate carvings and stuff like that on the columns, mm-hmm. but... They're like, um, you know, she's like, you got to believe me. Kate's like, of course we believe you. And then Liz is sort of like, it was there and there and there. She's like pointing at everything. She lights a cigarette, but like drops it immediately because it to her, it appears that while the BPRD members are still there, they're like almost like frozen to her. They're like stuck in place. And um, the room is suddenly changed back to its like grand state Mm -hmm. where it has all these like plush uh, furnishings and a fire blazing and everything like that. And like Ooh. the, these like wisps of fabric are sort of floating around or almost like in a smoky kind of a way. Like it's, it's, uh, it's a cool kind of like pretty spooky, unique to the story so far, um, kind of look. Yeah. It's like pretty, yeah, pretty indicative of, of this character. And he's like, uh, Liz like tries to like, shake Kate and be like, hey, hey, and, you know, Martin shows up. He's like, they can't hear you. This is to be our moment, ours alone. And Liz is kind of threatening him, like, I want to fucking kill you. And he's like, uh, you do, but why uh, Why wouldn't you? do it? But there you are doing nothing. <laughs> I've never lied to you, Elizabeth. You know that, never once. Um, so listen to me and listen closely and hear the truth. For the sake of this world, come with me. And if not for the world, then for the sake of your friends. So he's like, you got to come with me. I haven't killed you up to this point. Um, I could kill you. This complex, like I could, you know, I'm not even here. She's like, you would kill yourself too because you're here. And he's like, uh, do you think that's true? Because it's not. 
And then it cuts back to the ruined, dilapidated version of the room where Liz is gone. Just disappeared. Already. <laughs> She's disappeared like like she snapped away from their vision. Johan and Kate were like sitting there looking at her one second and then she was gone the next. So they're like, yeah, she's totally gone. They hear one of the choppers outside. They run outside. All of these BPRD agents are like asleep, like knocked unconscious or something. uh, Abe runs over to another chopper to try to follow that one that's leaving. Um, And that explodes, just completely blows up. (laughs) All of these other choppers are just blowing up everywhere all around the the ruin um and he's like guilford got elizabeth uh kate's like yeah and he made sure we couldn't follow him abe tries to get the bprd like headquarters to track the helicopter but the that like tracking device has been ripped out of the helicopter and just like thrown into the woods but then like a vision of guilford appears to abe Things are becoming clearer, yes? Now you realize I could have killed killed you, killed all of you at any time, but you're still alive. And in a few minutes um, for, the days, for the days coming, I want you to think about that, Mr. Sapien. But for now, get out of my home. And then he vanishes. And Abe's like, everybody get the fuck out of that building. <laughs> yeah. And it comes down like the very next second. It collapses in all this huge like cloud of dust. And that's it. That's I the end of chapter that. two. Yeah. I love that we got a little cr- oh crap from Devin at the end before that thing. Oh collapsed. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They start to see like the dust kind of like starts to crumble and like come out, and he's like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> evac, evac, double time from Abe. What an exciting second issue, I think. Crazy, <laughs> like yeah. It makes me want to keep reading like right away. I'm oh, like, yeah. okay, well, what the hell is this guy up to? Exactly. I love that it leaves you like, and it's cool that like I feel like. This is interesting that they have these big explosions Mm -hmm. and in a weird visual way, they top it with him just collapsing the structure. It's almost like, yeah, we all know things can explode that like, but then him being able to be like nowhere near them, like appearing, appearing to Abe Sabian like Splinter did in the fire to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Uh, So he's, he's exactly, (laughs) you get it. Right. Um, but it, I, I don't know why. I think it, like, I think they accomplished, like, I think, like, a big explosion. You'd think that, like, oh, we can't go any higher than this. But I feel like him just collapsing that structure with, like, nothing. Yeah. Is such a cool topper and also just a great cliffhanger of them just. He's just so. In he's dust. such a formidable villain. Like, he. Up to this point, he's been kind of like torturing Liz, but it's like, oh, does he have any like physical power? And now it's like evident that, yes, he does. He can. And he's smart, too. Like he destroyed the tracking device and he. Yeah, like he's evading them really effectively and he's destroying this building from far away. He's he's like no joke. Definitely no joke. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's very cool. And it's like either he's doing it or he's definitely manipulating Liz to do it. It's very yeah. interesting. A lot of it's so cool. <laughs> Definitely a huge, like you said, good, good cliffhanger. Yeah, and I, I really like that that Gilfred did a classic villain thing that became very popular in the two thousands. Of like, I anticipated you getting me. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah, but his is like, I knew you would catch me, little guy. <laughs> yeah, like, okay. I mean, and it made me immediately made me think of which I would probably put in referrals, but. 
is just like, hey, remember Skyfall and The Dark Knight coming out like almost like like very close together, and both of those movies are about how the villain wants to be caught. caught? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a little Some, different. Something was in the air yeah. in 2007. Or I don't even know if the times lines up, but this yeah. one he doesn't want to be caught. He just I like how he just says to her he anticipated her finding him. It wasn't like, oh, I knew you could eventually come get come here. Yeah. <laughs> But it's all part of my bigger plan, apparently. It's just, right. It's like it's like the villain that wants to be like the chess master or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, it was, but I like it. It's cool. I do, too. And I think it's interesting that they did sort of put a pin. They put like a pin in on the Daimyo stuff. But not like a pin that's disappointing. Just more of like there's more. There's a bigger thing going on, dude. Mm-hmm. They're out there. There's nothing we can do right now. Just let them. And it feast gives you the impression animal. that it's like Abe is stretched thin. Like it's really weighing on him. He's in a bad way. You know, he's not his usual like kind of not like chipper, but he's it's it's weighing on him. And he's also like taking up Daimyo's place as like this military leader. He's like literally smoking the cigar in the very beginning of the first issue. And now he's like, you you know, he's like evac double time, like all this shit, like trying to be this military commander of a team that's getting fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're stranded at the end of this issue. Yeah. It's like, oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Uh, great. Uh, great action pieces throughout. They're just like good. Even like even small action pieces like we have the big explosions, which we talked about and which look, look great. Yeah. But I love the moment, particularly when Liz discovers that she's in a different realm or like seeing what the others aren't seeing or I mean, I guess she thinks that everybody can see it for a moment, but like, I love that movie of, of her talking to them sort of over her shoulder, lighting her cigarette. And then just that close up on her eyes yeah. her, and then the cigarette falling. And then the, and then of course, if you were reading it in the issues, it would have been a complete like uh centerfold. Like layout of two pages. And I think that's so fucking cool. I just think that works so well. Absolutely. Yeah. I I don't know. Liz is, I'm very curious to see if how much Liz is being, because I don't think she's like before. I don't think he has gotten, I don't know what you gather from these two issues. I gather like Liz disappeared, but he's, and he's using like maybe his powers to cloak her. Yeah. But she's making the choice to go. I don't think it's a. That's what it seems like. Yeah. He's like convincing her. Yeah, versus the other way was like, I'm in you. Which I don't know if he has to convince her and like maybe he doesn't have the power to like transport her or like move her and is like manipulating her or if he's just like genuinely like I'm I could have killed you by now. That's not what I want. You don't totally know what he wants, except probably to live for a long time. (laughs) Yeah, at this point, that's what you suspect. But it's like to what end do you have good or bad intentions? We don't know. Yeah. Like, you're a weaselly guy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you want to, like, kill the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a lot of mystery out there. I love it. It's solid two issues for the warning. Absolutely. <laughs> um, speaking of you saying how Abe is such a mid- military figure in these last two, the page, the panel, the first panel right before the plane blows up and literally throws him back, him setting off to get the copter, that image that Guy Davis is drawn right there. It shows him in full, like just brooding military. <laughs> like, yeah. I love his eyes are small and he's just, he looks so pissed off and yeah, <laughs> he's just like, hey, f- fucking hell. Like, why didn't we yeah. see this? 
all these guys sleeping shit. <laughs> right. I love it. And then immediately getting blasted back by a giant explosion. <laughs> oh, and like, yeah, because I'm thinking like Liz had to take out that thing. Like he would probably get the knowledge of that. That tracker from Liz. Her mind or tell her to do it. And she's like, yeah, I know where that is. Take it out. It's very, yeah. I'm very curious to see what we find out in the next issues. Totally. Oh, you know what? I breezed right by. Um. The second reference that Kate Corrigan makes. Oh yeah, what what, what <laughs> it was um when in the first issue, where, um when Johan's like, "Hey, where's Abe?" and she goes, "Abraham has been out playing Jeremiah Johnson in the Colorado Rockies for a week now." Very funny reference. Jeremiah Johnson. I've never seen that movie. I have, and it's. I've yeah. seen the GIF of. Robert Redford nodding and getting zoomed in. Yes. I'll tell you right now, when you described Kate Corrigan having like an old white man's like reference point, point, Jeremiah Johnson is fucking totally an old white man's reference. Yeah. As soon as I Googled it, I was like, oh, (laughs) a semi-obscure Robert Redford movie where he's like a guy out in the wilderness. I was like, okay, okay. I mean, I recognize the gif, of course, but not the, I haven't seen the movie. Have you seen it? Yes, I haven't seen. I, I I might have never seen it from start to finish, to be completely honest. Uh, but I had friends that loved it. Um, and I mean, I'll watch it. it I mean, I 70s, like Robert Redford. Yeah, and I like. I think it's a Sydney uh, Pollock film, and cool. I think he's a good film director. It's definitely like I don't know how it treats the natives in it and the indigenous like Americans because I know he yeah. like has issues with them. By the end, they come to like an understanding. That's like. I think that famous scene that they always give is like the very end, like oh. where he comes. Oh, it's him like looking at a native person and like nodding. And yeah, they sort of out. come because he like marries like a, a native and they like massive. It's like there, there's a whole like thing. He's like a mountain man in it. Brutal. So from yeah. what I know, it's good, but I don't know how it holds up. I can't speak for it. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, that's it for the warning. I mean, We'll be, we're both very eager to get to the next two issues. Yeah, totally. We'll be covering those next episode. Is there any other things you wanted to say or favorite moments or anything you wanted to point out? I mean, that's pretty much it. I'm really growing on Panya too. I think that's a cool character to to kind of expand on. Like, not like a typical, you know, she's like a bedridden old woman. Yeah. You know, of like reincarnated mummy or whatever. Like, so it's a pretty cool character i think yeah not like your typical sort of like not just not a typical sort of character that you see all the time i agree and i love that they're introducing her gives her so much to add like what what's her point of view on the world going to be to like a knowledge you know how's it going to help them in their mission very cool totally how about you? Any favorite? Well, I guess you like that Abe panel. Yeah, I think I called out what I like. I think yeah. I, mean, I just loved, I mean, the entire flow of these two issues is just stellar. And I'm, lo- I'm loving it. I think it's, I like that even in Gilfrey, I think now that we're like seeing him more in a present form versus one yeah. that's in Liz's head, I think he even is, they, they're smart enough to, I think they've made him more imposing. Right. They've made him more of a villain to feel like a villain, a threat. He's having he's like influencing the physical world now and not just this like ethereal like dream world where he was just like 
you know, he was torturing Liz from there, but now he's like really affecting. He's like causing explosions and shit. He's yeah. getting scary. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love it. I can't wait yeah. to read more of it with you hell yeah you too yeah i don't <laughs> other than the funny references i had to other movies i don't really have any suggestions this week anything from you yeah oh have you seen barb and star go to vista del mar uh-huh i have uh i liked it <laughs> it's a silly ass movie is it I, it was a lot sillier than i had anticipated <laughs> i was like i like immediately texted my sister and was like please watch this like it feels like an older, it feels like an SNL movie from like 15 years ago. For or, sure. Or, you know, it's like, has that kind of flavor. I was like, what a relief of a movie. Like, um, you know, the, I, I don't think that the um, ads pointed to that. And I think that's intentional because they want you to watch the movie and be like, what the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> but like. I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but if you looked at the ads and were like, uh, I'm not like a middle-aged white lady. I don't know if I'll like that movie. Just give it a give it a shot. Cause I think it's it's re- I thought it was so funny. Yeah, it's silly, much sillier than what it puts on. For sure. For sure. Great. I yeah. love it. Yeah, go watch yeah, that. Yeah, everybody go watch that. It's not related. I just jazzed on it. Great. That's good. Oh, and fucking Judas and the Black Messiah. Did you watch that? That movie is my first movie I've watched of this new year that I absolutely loved. I think it's like a five star movie, dude. It's like so fucking the acting was so good. Just everything about it was amazing. And something that's based. It was refreshing to watch something based on reality or like a true story. For sure. And them not just completely like they had a clear point of view of what they were wanting versus just like, oh, you're recreating facts for me. Right, right. With actors. Cool. This felt like we had a strong, clear point of view of what Shaka King and his and they wanted to make. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I was a big fan of that movie. Loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Great. Good shit. Yeah, very good shit. Yeah. Cool. Um, I want to, before we close out, I want to give a big thank you to Mantic Games. Yay. As you all know, I ordered the the giant robot Hellboy for one of our winners of the, the giveaway that was a long time ago now in the middle of quarantine. Did that get sent? Um, well, yeah, I have to send it off to the professor okay, cool. who won it. Um, <laughs> but like I had to reach out to Mantic because I was like, hey, I moved. These things have not shown up. Yeah. Um, but now I have my own as well as professors. Hell yeah. Which I'll be oh, what off. a relief. Yeah. Big time relief. I can't wait to open mine and construct it um, and then hire somebody to paint it for me. <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. Um, but I was so excited to see that I have both of them that I can share. I could give them. a shot painting it. I painted like a mini. All right. There you go. Yeah. I'm just lazy and I have other things that I'm like, I need to get, yeah. take care of this in my life before I can just sit down and paint. But maybe that's that'll be, maybe that'll be meditative for me. You never know. True. True. <laughs> uh, but I was just, yeah, I was thankful that they like, there was no like pushback it was just like hey i i they moved were just totally helpful i didn't get this they were just on top of it and i got both awesome of them, so awesome so thank you mantic games i'm excited i mean we'll eventually because we we both went in on the 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 role-playing game that will be coming out shortly we'll yeah. be receiving that sometime this year so i'm excited for that too and cool. if you guys haven't jumped on those the the game yet go ahead and you should get you should get on top of it because the little that we've played, it was fun as hell. So fun. <laughs> in like 50 years when we can see each other in person, we should play it again. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> Maybe the role-playing game will be able to do it virtually easier. Yeah, that's true. So. Yeah, I feel like we did it pretty well with Clay. Yeah, that's true. We did. Yeah. So 
We'll have to do that. And let us know, yeah. listeners, if you want us to start a little. I was thinking we the, the podcast does a little thing on the side where we do video streaming of the role-playing game, create some characters that live in the Hellboy universe. Alternate. You know. I've been playing D&D like that. Like, we've been playing I over uh, Zoom and stuff. I and think it's been, it's worked. Let's stream it for some listeners. But let me know, listeners, if you'd be into that. <laughs> <laughs> and let me know, or let me, let us uh, let us know your thoughts on anything we've covered today on the warning. Yeah. Any other previous episode or in the future episodes as well. If you want to share your thoughts, please email us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. As well as you can follow us on Instagram at awcrapahellboypodcast. Twitter is awcraphellboy. Most of my posting occurs on the Instagram and just gets filtered to Twitter. However, if you do comment on anything, we will respond. Um, via those formats as best as we can. Doesn't mean it will be late. I Sometimes I just don't check social media as often as I, you know, I guess I'm supposed to, but I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. um, but if you do want your show, your thoughts shared on the podcast, do email us at awcrapahellboypodcast yeah. at gmail.com. And then I would just ask if you have the opportunity to, to rate and review us on whatever format you listen, do so. But if you go out of your way to go onto Apple Podcasts, um, subscribe, rate, and review. And if your review has a five-star review, starting with the word boom, B-O-O-M, <laughs> we will read that review and give you a big old shout-out right here on the show. We call those boom yeah. reviews. <laughs> so please, give us a boom review. It brings more listeners to the show. Uh, we want to continue talking Hellboy and the Expanded Universe with you, all of us. Um, and I say us because you're, you're out there. We love hearing from you. Hell yeah. But that is it for this episode, the first two issues <laughs> of The Warning. We, I'm excited to return next week um, to continue this story with you, Kate. Um, and you listeners, thank you again for listening. And remember... We love you! We put Dot in here, but then she wouldn't come to me, but then she started growling a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you? Yeah, like she wanted my attention, but then she wouldn't come to me. So it was a whole... These dogs are annoying as shit. <laughs> Poppy's being so dumb. All right. Not that Dot is. I'm saying Poppy was Yeah, they can be. <laughs> hey, it's Mia. Hey, it's Allie. And we host the Rom-Com Review Podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. Each week, we'll have incredible guests come and discuss a new rom-com, grand gestures, meet-cutes, and of course, that elusive chemistry. Mia. What are you doing holding that giant boombox over your head? I'm hoping to win over listeners with this grand gesture. Take us back! Find a new episode every week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Brought to you by Campfire Media. Wow, you're uh, still holding that boombox. Yeah, I've got great upper body strength. Thanks, CrossFit. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love Campfire.